We've got a Taiwan Insider exclusive for you. Parliamentarians from Lithuania, Estonia, and Latvia are in Taiwan. I sat down with delegation head Matas Maudekis and human rights defender Lithuanian MP Dovile Shakaliane to talk about why Lithuania is embracing Taiwan despite Chinese opposition. Then, Emma Banak sits down with Cloudgate Theatre director Wang Siwei to talk about the troops' latest work. Finally, in Hashtag Taiwan, Leslie Liao talks about a Twitter war between Chinese and Lithuanian officials. This is Taiwan Insider. sidelines of the Open Parliament Forum, which just opened in Taipei. And I'm here with Matas Maudekis, who is the head of the 10-member Baltic Parliamentary Delegation that is visiting Taiwan. He is also the chair of the Parliamentary Group for Relations with Taiwan in the Lithuanian Parliament. Matas, welcome to Taiwan. It's so great to have you here. Uh, thank you very much. It's really appreciated. And I'm really, uh, I feel honored to be here. Thank you very much. Well, your country just welcomed a Taiwanese representative office to your capital, and China has been giving you a hard time about that. What do you think of their downgrading their embassy in your capital? We calculated all the possible steps, and we don't have so such a big trade, you know, like the Chinese thinks that we have influence on us, in a sense. And we calculated our steps. We understand that it's in... Uh, our national interest to do that, to keep up with Taiwan, help Taiwan in any sense possible, because it's a democratical society and we, help to, ha we have to help democracies uh, around the world. Well, um, what if Beijing severed ties with Lithuania? What would you, how would you react to that? Well, our ties with uh, mainland China is not as big as, as it might uh, look f f looking from here, you know. We didn't sell our ports, Port Klaipeda, to them. And after that, we don't have much economical relationship. China invested in Lithuania only about 3 million, 3 million euros. It's nothing. We invested in mainland China five times more. That's a paradox. They, they have uh, trade surplus with us more than 1 billion. That also shows that they are dependent more on our market than we do. And cutting ties with uh, cut the jobs here, not with in, our, in our market. We can find it somewhere else. So it's, it's for them to decide. Do they want that? And would they set an example for other countries to see what does it mean have your own opinion when you are dealing with China? That would be example for other European countries. I'm not very sure that China really wants that. You're getting a lot of pressure from China. Um, why is it that you're willing to take on China? I know that you have a history of taking on authoritarian regimes. You were the first country to declare independence from the USSR in 1991. Yeah. So why is it that you're willing to take on this pressure from China and the losses that you, you have from China, of the economic losses at this time? National security of Taiwan, this is a paradox of our lives now, is the national security of Lithuania. Because we live in a domino world, let's call it. Foreign policy is like domino effect. It's if democracy somewhere falls, democracy elsewhere starts to feel pressure. We have to understand that. That uh, authoritarian regimes, uh, 
they sometimes they don't coordinate like now Russia and China do because they coordinate the the their moves uh, China regarding Taiwan and uh, Russia regarding uh, Ukraine and Eastern Europe they are coordinating the things they uh, they are doing and uh, we want to be on the side of democracy and because we will not survive as a nation in the world of authoritarian regimes we understand this clearly and we as a not big nation our biggest strength is truth our biggest weapon is truth truth is a, always the biggest weapon but in this sense it's very big because if you if you have a will and possibility to tell as it is you can go far away you are vaccinating you know in a sense you are vaccinating mind you are vaccinating uh, other nations will have to deal with you straight with you this is what we want what was the best part of your trip here the most interesting part and also the big responsibility you know uh, when I talk to people uh, I I'm really astonished I, I have to admit it I'm astonished how much being a democracy means to you this is one thing and second one that you like that it's important for you to be understood in the world it's interesting fascinating and it's like looks like it's where the history is being made so it's 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 interesting by the way I forgot to mention it what also helped me uh, to understand Taiwan in a sense when uh, my relative my mother studied here really yeah she lived here for some times she, oh, wow. she she lived in one of the universities it was uh, just uh, some scholarship she got she fell in love with this country she talked a lot how she went to the trains the trains are very fast <laughs> people tea it's all those like little details and I was hmm, interesting interesting and when I got to the politics I I just you know and there was a possibility a lot of people wanted that you to, for you to understand a lot of people wanted to be the leader of Taiwanese group understanding the the big shift uh, not very much people want to be a leader of group of China I have to admit <laughs> my, my 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 group relationship is one of the biggest uh, and how many people in your group 34 members of wow from 141 it's it's very big group it's very big group and and it's growing I can feel especially after this visit to you know there is, I feel the dynamic, Dynam I feel the dynamic, it is, uh, especially when uh, in my delegation was uh, people who, you know, we, we had a lot of meetings with, uh, uh, with the business, with the ministers who talked business, and we can see that there were so much possibilities here. And it's like, you know, uh, for the people in my delegation who was, you know, 50-50, you know, we have to, you know, and they like they are now sitting and it's like their heads are exploding of the possibilities that they see relating our relationship and it's it is nice to see I'm very happy and I'm just happy I also had the pleasure of speaking with Lithuanian member of parliament Davili Sakliani she is on Beijing's official sanction list because of her stance for human rights 
She tells me why Lithuania was willing to welcome a Taiwanese representative office despite sanctions from Beijing. Our uh, foreign policy uh, is not aimed at uh, creating conflicts uh, or um, backlashes. We are just consistently and calmly going uh, always the same direction. That is supporting democracies and withstanding authoritarian regimes, withstanding pressure of uh, uh, repressions, we believe in right of people's self-determination. So, of course, when we uh, felt that relationship with Taiwan is becoming closer and closer, and in the beginning of the pandemics, when it was really a huge stress for us, when our doctors even did not have enough medical masks, and Taiwan helped us sending dozens of thousands of medical masks that was you know really important to us and then uh, when we could at least partially repay the favor by sending you two batches of vaccines well i feel that we are becoming friends now taipei is your capital but the representative office does not represent only your capital it represents taiwan and yes legally we are binded by the agreement that we have signed just as we regained our independence and it includes the mention of one china policy so we believe that you are the ones to make your decisions regarding your relations with china however there is an embassy of people's republic of china in lithuania and here is representative office of taiwanese people so why call it in the name of the capital? Why not call it of the Taiwanese people? It does not violate any legal agreements. So I think that's pretty simple. Your foreign minister recently said that Lithuania can show the world how to resist China. And uh, I mean, for a small country of three million, that's really admirable and, and courageous. Can you tell me about the Lithuanian people? What is it about you that, um, uh, gives you this kind of courage and conviction to stand up to authoritarian regimes. Well, we are really stubborn people. <laughs> my family says that I really am a copy of my grandfather. Uh, so uh, he suffered from Soviet regime. Uh, he was put to prison and he was deported with his family to Siberia. My mother was born in Siberia and she was not allowed to leave uh, Soviet Union, not even to go to Poland, which was, you know, uh, Poland, Romania, some other countries in Europe were this kind of close Soviet bloc. Not even there, because she was daughter of the state of the enemy, because my grandma was also convicted and deported to Siberia, because her brother and her sister participated in resistance uh, by, uh, well, they were not shooting at anyone. They were not like military resistance. Just people who did not agree with occupation of their country. They actually endured torture, which had wow. consequences for the rest of their life. So you understand my position towards communism. Hmm. And having in mind that at least every fifth family in Lithuania suffers something like that, then yes, of course we don't like communists. We know that it's like plague, that repressions of communists are always everywhere the same. So that's one explanation why Lithuanians feel you and, and that's why we really understand what is happening with Taiwan, with the threat of the mainland China, People's Republic of China, trying to oppress you know, the same 
ideology of communism and what is happening in Xinjiang, what we did in Hong Kong when they violated the international treaties and when they showed that rule of law doesn't matter to them because one country, two systems principle was just broken down. So that also gives us reason you know, to be wary of what they are doing. But um, another moment, I didn't hear these words that you mentioned that our minister said, but um, in my opinion, uh, Lithuania may be one of your friends that is helping to build a bigger coalition. We are not naive, we understand we are a very small country, but today, delegation of three Baltic countries together is visiting Taiwan, and as well, uh, your minister has visited Czech Republic and other European countries, and also IPAC. I am a chair of IPAC, Interparliamentary Alliance on China. And we unite over two dozen democratic countries all over the world, from Canada to United States to United Kingdom to Australia and to smaller European countries. And yes, we know we're small, but also European Union is, you know, our family that also protects us. And European Parliament passed resolution also saying very clearly that they support what Lithuania is doing regarding Taiwan. So I feel that, you know, it's broader and broader consensus. It's not like we are, you know, this really small bird which is jumping in front of a cat and frustrating the cat. <laughs> no, we are just saying there are certain red lines in democracy too which should not be overstepped. And we are just trying to keep the global security and the calm of international standards, the level of international standards, um, stable. Now, Natalie's full interview with MP Shakliena will be up on Facebook and YouTube. And for our next story, we're going to be taking a look at Cloudgate Dance Theater, which is a modern dance troupe from Taiwan and the first of its kind in Asia when it was first founded. Now, the troupe's latest work, which is titled Masses, takes a look at social movements and the psyche of protesters. Now, RTI reporter Emma Banak spoke with the theater director, Wang Siwei, to find out how this work came to fruition. Masses is a physical performance that explores the complex inner psyche of a single protester, lost within a heated social movement. At the 2019 Taishin Arts Awards, Masses won the prestigious Performing Arts Award and is returning to enrapture audiences again in 2021. RTI's Emma Banak and Harrison Kay met with the director of Masses, Wang Shiwei, to discuss his inspiration. Wang was also inspired by the May 1968 student protests in France. These demonstrations were so powerful that they halted the national economy and inspired similar global movements. Wong saw how these social movements led by young people had the power to change society, politics, and create a better future. Masses in 2021 has changed since this original version in 2019 due to the pandemic and need for social distancing with the audience. Although this was a challenge, Wong also saw it as a way for masses to grow. Instead of just relying on physical closeness to draw the audience in, they needed other techniques to make the audience still feel connected with the performer. Wang was also inspired by the 2014 Sunflower Movement in Taiwan, where students successfully protested against a trade pact that would have favored China's economy over Taiwan's. Wang says he has always watched social movements with an interest from a distance, and realized that being on the periphery sometimes has its advantages for understanding these protests. Wang believes the youth have always been at the center of demanding change and progress throughout the world, and masses is meant to describe such a process which sometimes creates friction between older and younger generations. 
Masses will be performed at the Cloudgate Theater in Danshui from December 3rd to 5th. And before we leave you, here's a look at some of the other news stories that are on our radar. Reuters reports that Taiwan is receiving outside help to build a submarine fleet that could deter a Chinese invasion. The help is coming in the form of technology, parts, and expertise from at least seven countries, including the UK and South Korea. According to Reuters, Taiwan's success in patching together the resources it needs to build a submarine fleet indicates mounting international concern over China's growing military prowess. A steel pile from a railroad construction site fell onto a passing Taroko Express train Wednesday. Though no one was injured, the incident has put the Taiwan Railways Administration's lax enforcement of safety standards back into the spotlight. In April, another accident at a railroad construction site killed 49, Taiwan's deadliest rail accident in decades. Transport Minister Wang Guocai says he's outraged and has ordered the head of construction at the Railways Administration to be removed from his post. President Tsai Ing-wen has signed a bill designed to help protect victims of stalking. The bill got significant political momentum after the murder of a woman in Pingdong County this April. She had been stalked by her murderer for the previous two months. Under the new law, police can intervene early to help victims of a variety of harassing behaviors. Violators of the law can face fines and jail time, and should they ignore police warnings, get hit with a two-year restraining order as well. Well, you know, you guys, Davili and I were actually planning to have lunch, yeah. but um, they're quarantine uh, mm. restrictions are pretty strict. They have to stay at a certain floor in their hotel. It sounds, Toys, it sounds really miserable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they're looking out like, we really want to go outside. We really want to try Taiwanese food. So our question today is, if you can take our wonderful Baltic delegation out to lunch, where would you take them? What would you feed them? Uh, for me, um, I would take them out to a Taiwanese breakfast, breakfast for lunch. Mm. I was doing a little bit of research. Um, one of the most popular Lithuanian dishes is fried bread. Okay. And we kind oh, of have, really? We, kind we of do. Fried dough. No tiao. So I was just like, you know what? You give this a shot and see how it compares to your fried bread. And That's you know, let's have a conversation <laughs> about it. Well, I, I'm idea. kind of following on Leslie's lead. If he's taking them for breakfast for lunch, mine is kind of more dinner for lunch because I'd take him to Ru Chow. <laughs> uh, and this probably needs a bit of explaining. Ru Chow literally means like hot fry. It's kind of generally these kind of communal kind of meals where mm. you're sitting around in a circle. Um, passing big dishes of yeah. food around, and there's often sort of Very drinking tasty. and beer involved as you well. You might be hard-pressed to find a Ruotel place open for lunch, but though. Potentially. I mean, but maybe for the Baltic delegation, they might. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Special yeah. Good call, good yeah. call. <laughs> well, I know they've been really busy. Like, they have, like, five meetings a day and everything. If we had all the time in the world, I would take them to this place called Shiyang. It's huh. a place in the mountains Ooh. in Shizu. And when you go there, it's like you're in a different world. You feel like you've gone to this very like peaceful paradise almost, and they have fusion food, oh. and they have like ten different you know courses for you. Oh my God. Really delicate, exquisite food. It's really good. Wow. So you need the address. You're gonna have to check that place out. I think they would really enjoy it. Um, anyways, thank you for tuning in to Taiwan Insider today. I'm Natalie So. I'm Leslie Liao. I'm Stash Butler. Make sure to follow us on social media. You can catch us on Facebook and YouTube. Yes, leave a comment below, subscribe. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to tweet at us. Tell us what you think about this week's show. Our Twitter handle is Taiwan Insider. Until next week, guys, see you around.
Taiwan Today with Natalie So. We are delighted that members of the Lithuanian Parliament are visiting Taiwan as Lithuania has been standing up for Taiwan. Recently, Lithuania welcomed a Taiwanese representative office in its capital. Now, I'm delighted to be able to speak with member of Lithuania Parliament, Dovile Shakaliene. It's great to be able to meet you in person. Welcome to Taiwan. Thank you, Natalie. Actually, I'm really happy to be here because from the moment that we stepped our foot on the soil of Taiwan, we have seen nothing but warm welcome, friendly, and very positive attitude and also really interesting conversations. So we are very happy to be here. And I want to note that we are taking the strictest precautions so that in the times of pandemic, we are not a danger to you, but just guests. So we are not stepping outside of this hotel, not even stepping outside of the floor that we are living on so that we don't have any unnecessary contact and we don't want to get anyone sick. But nobody of us is sick. We had two PCR tests and I have three vaccines. This is important. So, yeah, I'm sure you are very healthy. <laughs> and it's so good to be able to speak with you. I remember last time I spoke with you, you said to Taiwan, you have friends and allies and you are with us with all your heart. So here you are with us, truly. I remember from uh, a report that you said you hope that this is an aspiring trip for you. What did you mean by that? I really wanted uh, to see Taiwan, to talk to people of Taiwan really here because, I mean, it is different when you meet people uh, in foreign cities, when you are just having short conversations. It's just like fragments of a picture. I wanted to see the whole picture when I would talk to um, Eric Huang. Uh, head of the representative office. Uh, he was head of representative office in Riga and now, to my joy, he is uh, head of representative office in Vilnius. His colleagues uh, that I have met so far and all of them are really wonderful people. But I mean, it's like when someone comes, you know, to your house as a guest and then you have a short conversation and that's it. But when uh, they invite you to their house, then you really feel them and understand them. So my heart is with Taiwan, first of all, because we share the same history and the same dangers right now. Lithuania was occupied for half a century by communist regime, bloody communist regime. You are now facing the danger of a communist regime just right next to you, and it's also as bloody and as authoritarian. So my heart goes to you because me, my family and my country has suffered from communists such a long time. So we really wish for you not to suffer like we did. Well, we really appreciate it. Um, I know that Lithuania, because you welcomed a Taiwanese representative office uh, just a couple weeks ago um, to your capital, Beijing has had a major backlash. They, you know, downgraded, you know, your office, their office in your capital. Um, they have some diplomatic and economic sanctions. So why did Lithuania decide to let Taiwan open this office with the word Taiwanese in it? Because usually, you know, most of our offices have the word Taipei because countries are afraid of upsetting China. Why was Lithuania willing to let Taiwan open this office? I guess it's uh, a lot of factors. First of all, I wish to note that our uh, foreign policy uh, is not aimed at uh, creating conflicts uh, or um, backlashes. We are just consistently and calmly going uh, always the same direction. That is supporting democracies 
and withstanding authoritarian regimes, withstanding pressure of uh, uh, repressions, we believe in right of people's self-determination. So, of course, when we uh, felt that relationship with Taiwan is becoming closer and closer, and in the beginning of the pandemics, when it was really a huge stress for us, when our doctors even did not have enough medical masks and were getting sick one by one, we really have good hospitals. And the number of hospital beds per person is one of the best in Europe. But when all the doctors are sick, then there is nobody to treat the patients. And Taiwan helped us, sending dozens of thousands of medical masks. That was, you know, really important to us. And then uh, when we could at least partially repay the favor by sending you two batches of vaccines, well, I feel that we are becoming friends. Now, Taipei is your capital, but the representative office does not represent only your capital, it represents Taiwan. And yes, legally, we are binded by the agreement that we have signed just as we regained our independence. And it includes the mention of one China policy. So we believe that you are the ones to make your decisions regarding your relations with China. However, there is an embassy of People's Republic of China in Lithuania. And here is representative office of Taiwanese people. So why call it in the name of the capital? Why not call it of the Taiwanese people? It does not violate any legal agreements. So I think that's pretty simple. Were you surprised by the reaction that Beijing had? Well, since I have uh, been blacklisted by People's <laughs> Republic of China for initiating resolution on acknowledging Uyghur genocide and requesting international legal independent investigation, which is, in my opinion and opinion of all democratic countries, a request that is based on common sense. I mean, all the research shows that massive industrial scale human rights violations are going on in Xinjiang province. So that means we have to react. And if People's Republic of China wants to show that it's a credible country, that it's a democratic country, then democratic countries do not sanction human rights defenders. So when we did this, really overstepped uh, a line that basically proves the opposite, that we are not democratic, that we don't respect the rule of law, that we actually punish human rights defenders and their families. My family was automatically sanctioned with me. So after that, you know, you learn. The first lesson is that if somebody uh, acts with you in unjustified way, then you can expect more unjustified actions. So of course, we, we understand that probably People's Republic of China still believes that threats and intimidation is mm -hmm. the way to go forward. Well, your foreign minister recently said that Lithuania can show the world how to resist China. And uh, I mean, for a small country of three million, that's really admirable and, and courageous. Can you tell me about the Lithuanian people? What is it about you that um, gives you this kind of courage and conviction to stand up to authoritarian regimes? Well, we are really stubborn people, <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> and uh, uh, my family says that I really am a copy of my grandfather. Uh, so uh, he suffered from Soviet regime. 
Uh, he was put to prison, then he was deported with his family to Siberia. My mother was born in Siberia, and she was not allowed to leave uh, Soviet Union, not even to go to Poland, which was, you know, uh, Poland, Romania, some other countries in Europe were this kind of close Soviet bloc. Not even there, because she was daughter of the state of the enemy, because my grandma was also convicted and deported to Siberia, because her brother and her sister participated in the resistance, uh, by, uh, well, they were not shooting at anyone. They were not like military resistance. Just people who did not agree with occupation of their country. They actually endured torture, which had wow. consequences for the rest of their life. So you understand my position towards communism. Mm. And having in mind that at least every fifth family in Lithuania suffers something like that, then yes, of course, we don't like communists. We know that it's like plague, that repressions of communists are always everywhere the same. So that's one explanation why Lithuanians feel you and, and that's why we really understand what is happening with Taiwan with the threat of the mainland China, People's Republic of China trying to oppress, you know, the same ideology of communism and what is happening in Xinjiang, what we did in Hong Kong when they violated the international treaties and when they showed that rule of law doesn't matter to them because one country, two systems principle was just broken down. So that also gives us reason, you know, to be wary of what they are doing. But um, another moment, I didn't hear these words that you mentioned that our minister said, but um, in my opinion, uh, Lithuania may be one of your friends that is helping to build a bigger coalition. We are not naive, we understand. <laughs> we are a very small country, but today, delegation of three Baltic countries together is visiting Taiwan, and as well, uh, your minister has visited Czech Republic and other European countries, and also IPAC. I am a chair of IPAC, Interparliamentary Alliance on China, and we unite over two dozen democratic countries all over the world, from Canada to United States to United Kingdom to Australia and to smaller European countries. And yes, we know we're small, but also European Union is, you know, our family that also protects us. And European Parliament passed resolution also saying very clearly that they support Lithuanians, uh, what Lithuania is doing regarding Taiwan. So I feel that, you know, it's broader and broader consensus. It's not like we are, you know, this really small bird which is jumping in front of a cat and frustrating the cat. <laughs> no, we are just saying there are certain red lines in democracy too, which should not be overstepped. And we are just trying to keep the global security and the calm of international standards, the level of international standards stable. Sorry, I'm a, not a native speaker. Oh, so your English is beautiful. <laughs> well, it's been obvious that you know the EU, even the US, um, are standing with you as you stand with Taiwan, and that you are having an impact. Um, at least we feel that the EU has been engaging Taiwan more with the recent reports that you mentioned. We had a visit from members of European Parliament recently. So, how do you think um, you know your proactive engagement with Taiwan will affect other European countries and their relationship with Taiwan? So I think it would be a twofold effect. Uh, one uh, important aspect is that 
if we become a success story, so that you know our relationship with Taiwan uh, develops successfully in all uh, dimensions, like a multidimensional success, meaning uh, economic relations, meaning uh, mm, like uh, science and education, and also sharing uh, some issues regarding security, for example, cybersecurity. We had a very interesting meeting yesterday with some of your experts regarding disinformation and cyber attacks because Lithuania and Taiwan both suffer from really increasing number of these organized attacks and we could share practices and you have wonderful technological decisions that we are very eager also to learn and to use. So that would be a kind of an instigation, a motivation for other countries that Taiwan has so much to give mm. and that we could exchange. But another uh, moment, oh and for that I might add pandemic really has uh, had an impact globally also uh, on supply chains, on some geopolitical shifts. And when we see, you know, that a short-term gain from autocratic regimes is not worth it because when they change their legal regulation, for example, like PRC change their national security law, and then they can seize the assets of foreign companies, they can freeze their assets, they can deport employees and etc. That means that for businesses it's not secure. So it's better to build the ring of democratic countries because mm. these relations are more sustainable as they are more stable, predictable and based on rule of law. That is Lithuanian Member of Parliament Dovile Shakliene. She and her colleagues are here visiting Taiwan for a democracy summit and also to build ties between Lithuania and Taiwan. Join me next week as I continue the conversation with this human rights defender. Lithuanian MP Dovile Shakaliene. Liao. Do you love Radio Taiwan International's English content and wish it would never end? Well, who said it has to? The fun doesn't have to stop here. Check out our website, or our Facebook, or our YouTube, or our Twitter. Go to en.rti.org.tw for the latest Taiwan news stories. Check out Radio Taiwan International on Facebook to see great pictures of Taiwan. Go to youtube.com slash RTI English to view some of our great features. And when you're done, tell us what you think on Twitter. Our handle is Radio Taiwan underscore ENG. What are you waiting for? I'm here waiting for your message. This is News Playlist, a weekly rundown of some of the most interesting news reports brought to you by RTI. Watch along on YouTube if you like, or close your eyes and enjoy these stories by way of sound. Welcome to News Playlist. I'm Shirley Lin. I'm bringing you some highlights of uh, news stories in video form, but here in audio form for your enjoyment. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, the fact that Tom was invited to the um, Summit of Democracy hosted by U.S. President Joe Biden. So it was really quite exciting. And uh, Joseph Wu, our foreign minister, um, arrived at the Thomas Legislature 
reporting about the invitation. Foreign Minister Joseph Wu is all smiles as he arrives at Taiwan's legislature, and with good reason. Taiwan has been officially invited to U.S. President Joe Biden's Democracy Summit in December. The summit is set to take place from December the 9th to 10th in an online format, with a total of 110 countries invited, including Taiwan, Japan, and the UK. Topics on the agenda include facing up to authoritarianism, fighting corruption, and promoting respect for human rights. Digital Minister Audrey Tang and Taiwan's U.S. Representative Xiaobi Kim will represent Taiwan at the summit. Foreign Minister Joseph Wu says that the summit invitation is a testament to Taiwan's achievements as a democracy. He says Tang and Xiao will tell the United States and the world how Taiwan is defending its democracy from external threats. President Tsai won't be attending the summit. U.S.-China expert Bonnie Glazer says that's probably because Washington wants to avoid crossing Beijing's red lines on Taiwan. Opposition lawmaker Johnny Jiang says that there are a lot of political factors at play. He says authorities are struggling to manage cross-strait tensions while developing closer ties with the United States. The U.S. summit invitation comes as Taiwan plans an international event of its own. Ten lawmakers from Lithuania, Latvia and Estonia are set to visit Taiwan next month for the 2021 Open Parliament Forum. With both events taking place in early December, it's set to be a busy month for Taiwan government representatives. Stash Butler, RTI News. Not only did we have one U.S. congressional delegation visit Taiwan, but two. It was obviously kept very low-key. And in the meantime, China was very displeased. Tomáš Kopel has the report. Reporters shout greetings at California Representative Mark Takano, who is at the head of a delegation of U.S. lawmakers visiting Taiwan. U.S. Air Force C-40 aircraft carrying Takano and his colleagues touched down at Songshan Airport after 10 p.m. on Thursday. This is the second congressional U.S. delegation to visit Taiwan this month. Other members of the bipartisan group include Democrats Colin Allred, Elisa Slotkin and Sarah Jacobs, as well as Republican Nancy Mace. The 17-strong delegation will stay in Taiwan until Friday. Foreign Ministry spokesperson Joanne Oh extended a cordial welcome to the visiting group. A statement from the presidential office also welcomed the delegation and added that its visit signifies not only steadfast friendship between the U.S. and Taiwan, but also the U.S. Congress's strong bipartisan support for deepening relations with Taiwan. The American Institute in Taiwan, the de facto U.S. Embassy in Taiwan, says that the delegation is visiting several countries in the Indo-Pacific region. In Taiwan, they will meet with senior officials to discuss bilateral relations, regional security, and other important topics of mutual concern. Representative Mace tweeted on Wednesday that she had just landed in the Republic of Taiwan. That choice of words is sure to further anger Beijing, which is already seething about the fact that the delegation is in Taiwan in the first place. Representative Slotkin said that earlier she received a blunt message from the Chinese embassy in Washington telling her to call off the trip. Beijing is also angry at U.S. President Joe Biden for inviting Taiwan to a democracy summit. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi said on Tuesday that it was instigating splitism and inciting factionalism. Beijing is also upset at other sovereign states which are starting to follow the American lead in their approach to Taiwan. Tomasz Koper, RTI News. You know, when I heard this report that Taiwan is expecting a warmer and drier winter this year, I was very pleased. So let's hear it firsthand from the Central Weather Bureau. The Weather Bureau said Friday that this autumn has been warmer than usual. In fact, it will be the second warmest fall season in history. 
However, the sudden arrival of a cold front on November 11th is the earliest cold front to hit Taiwan over the past 40 years. The bureau forecasts that this winter will see a weaker La Nina effect. With La Nina winters, Taiwan will see warmer and drier conditions than usual. The bureau says that the La Nina effect will continue till next spring. Other forecasts show that the average winter temperature from December till February next year will be close to normal. December is expected to be the coldest of the three months. The bureau estimates that there will be eight to twelve cold air masses descending on Taiwan this winter, of which one to three may reach the level of a cold spell. With less rain expected this winter, the bureau is calling for people to save water. Taiwan recently held its 58th Golden Horse Awards, which is the equivalent of the Oscars in the West. I am again very pleased that we've got quite a few Taiwanese movies、uh, nominated and then won some of the top categories. You can be sure I'm going to be going to the movie theaters with my husband to catch up on these award-winning films. Saturday night was all ritz and glam in Taipei City. It was the 58th Golden Horse Awards ceremony, one of the most prestigious celebrations of Chinese language cinema. Present were industry veterans and newcomers alike. It was a big night of breakthrough for the winners. Zhang Zhen, who won Best Actor on Saturday, had been nominated three times for the award prior to his big triumph. Alyssa Chia won Best Actress in her very first Golden Horse Award nomination. The big winner of the night was the movie The Falls. Including Jia's win, that movie took home a total of four awards: Best Actress, Best Original Screenplay, Best Original Film Score, and Best Narrative Feature. This year's Golden Horse Awards also marked the end of Oscar-winning director Ang Lee's tenure as the award ceremony's chair. Lee had served as Golden Horse Awards chair since February 2018. Under the organization's rules, each chair serves for two years and can be extended once, meaning Lee served out a maximum term. At his farewell, Lee said it was his pleasure to be of service. He said, "No matter what he does, he will always care about the Golden Horse Awards." Lee said that he has accomplished much in his four-year term, and that the organization will always be a part of him. Taking Ang Lee's place is Mark Lee, an award-winning cinematographer. Leslie Liao, RTI News. After Lithuania say how much they like us and show all kinds of support for Taiwan, they were here in person. Visiting our president Tsai Ing-wen, along with lawmakers from Latvia and Estonia as well. President Tsai Ing-wen welcomed the delegation of ten lawmakers from three Baltic states of Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia on Monday morning. During the meeting, both sides emphasized democracy, freedom, and solidarity. President Tsai said Taiwan and the Baltic states want their freedom from authoritarian regimes and understand that the road to democracy is not easy. We are here to express our solidarity with you. The Lithuanian government's policy on Taiwan became considerably friendlier recently. To cultivate close ties, Lithuania will open a representative office in Taiwan early next year. We'll help to expand the partnership between Taiwan and Lithuania, and contribute to closer relationship with Taiwan and the whole European Union bloc. Lawmakers from the three states will participate in the 2021 Open Parliament Forum in early December, which will focus on promoting democracy and open parliament. Taiwan's Foreign Minister Joseph Wu said that besides the 10-strong EU delegation, lawmakers from Belize and Mexico will also participate in the event. When asked whether President Tsai will visit the EU before the end of her term, he said there were currently no plans for that. 
Facing unyielding pressure from China, Taiwan seems to be banking on its democratic freedoms to safeguard its international standing. Tomasz Koper, RTI News. With news that we have a new variant of COVID-19 in the world named Omicron, now our Central Epidemic Command Center is tightening up on the vaccine rollout and even the third uh, dose or booster shots for those 65 years old and above. With news of the new variant of COVID-19 Omicron, the Central Epidemic Command Center is recommending a third dose of the COVID-19 vaccine to lower the possibility of breakthrough infections. That was after consulting the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, or ACIP. The recommendation is for those 65 years old and above, as well as those who are patients and workers at long-term care facilities. As for those 18 years old and above, they can assess their risk of infection and their willingness to receive a third dose after a doctor's diagnosis. Health Minister Chen Shizong said that the second and third dose must be administered at least six months apart from each other. Chen said if there is a need to travel abroad, then the time period can be shortened to five months. The third dose can be either the same vaccine as the second jab or a different vaccine. However, Chen said if the second jab was already a different vaccine from the first, he would recommend the third dose to be the same as the second dose. Chen estimates that the third dose rollout will begin around January 1st. As for the BioNTech vaccine for those 18 years old and above, the ACIP recommends that there should be an interval of at least 12 weeks between the first and second doses. The center said it will cooperate with local health bureaus on mapping out a time schedule for the rollout to begin starting mid-December on school campuses. We've got some good news, at least for those of us in Taiwan. We are making deals with other countries to build our own submarines for defensive use. Emma Benek has the report. On Monday, Taiwan's defensive forces reported another sighting of China's military jets entering Taiwan's air defense identification zone. However, they weren't the only foreign visitors spotted that day. It was revealed on Twitter that an American maritime patrol aircraft had also flown across the Taiwan Strait. The editor-in-chief of Defense International magazine, Chen Guoming, says that this kind of American aircraft is not commonly spotted in the area and that it may be due to some sort of drill in the vicinity. It is Taiwan's goal to develop its own submarines by 2024, especially in response to China's growing military power and threats. On Monday, it was revealed that Taiwan has already secretly bought military technology and hired foreign experts from at least seven different countries. These include nations like the U.S., U.K., Australia, South Korea, and India. These foreign experts work in fields like engineering and technology and include former naval officers. Chen says that the U.S. is the main contractor that Taiwan will work with to build its own submarines, and this aid may also offset some of the pressure from China. He says that since submarine systems are complicated, it's a major asset for Taiwan to receive top-quality components from the U.S. Still, others worry that China may restrict factories that produce necessary components for the submarines, and this may hurt Taiwan's chances of meeting its 2024 target. In the meantime, it seems that working with other countries is Taiwan's best option for staying on track with its military goals. Emma Benak, RTI News. And that's it of other news stories coming out of Taiwan this past week. You've been listening to News Playlist. I'm Shirley Lin, and I'll see you next week.
Thank you for tuning in to Radio Taiwan International, Taiwan's national broadcaster. We hope you enjoyed our programs. You can catch all of our latest news, audio, and video features on our website at en.rti.org.tw. Again, go to our website en.rti.org.tw for engaging news, videos, and programs about Taiwan. If you like to hang out on social media, RTI is there too. Our Facebook URL is Radio Taiwan International. And you can watch our engaging video features, including the weekly news magazine program Taiwan Insider, on our YouTube channel, RTI English. Again, our YouTube channel is RTI English. For those who enjoy the Twitter sphere, our handle for Taiwan Insider is at Taiwan Insider. For RTI English, it's at Radio Taiwan underscore ENG. And if you'd like to enjoy us on your smartphone, just download our app RTI to go. That's one of the best ways to enjoy all our news, videos, and programs. That's RTI to go. If you're a shortwave listener, we have two channels in Asia. For South Asia, tune into 6100 kilohertz from 1600 to 1700 UTC. To Southeast Asia, you can hear us on 15320 kilohertz from 0300 to 0400 UTC. We would love to know what you think of our programs. Email us at english at rti.org.tw. Thank you again for tuning in to Radio Taiwan International. Music